Welcome to the Travel Plus Loyalty Podcast. The show that meets people from the travel industry and those who travel and talk about travel and loyalty. We also provide useful tips and information you can use in your travel life. Your host today is Henrik Olsen. In this podcast, we are going to talk to Alan Hoffery from Singapore Airlines. We are meeting him at his last day as sales manager for the Nordic. A meeting that takes place in Copenhagen Airport, where he is saying goodbye to SQ351 to Singapore, the last time after 30 years working for Singapore Airlines. Let's take a trip to Copenhagen Airport and meet Alan Hoffery at the gate. Sitting in Copenhagen Airport uh, in the terminal uh, in the departure gate uh, on uh, Singapore Airlines, and we are visiting Alan Hoffrey from Singapore Airlines. Uh, and Alan, we are here at uh, a very special reasons today. Uh, this is your last departure uh, from Copenhagen to Singapore. Uh, how um, how are you describing this today? Well, it's, it's, it's quite strange, yes. Um, after 30 years, um, I will be sending up uh, SQ351 uh, for the last time. I'm normally not out here, but I, I, I thought it is um, it is a unique opportunity for me just to to put a, a final end to, to my uh, 30 years with Singapore Airlines here in, 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 the, in the Nordics. So... Uh, Looking back, when we are looking back, so we are sending off a brand new uh, Airbus 350. And and when I joined 30 years ago, um, we were operating uh, Boeing uh, 747. At that time, it it was what was considered the flagship of the aviation. And and it was quite unique at the time. Um, And I remember that uh, we had uh, one stop on the way uh, for two of the flights. We were operating three flights at the time and two on the other one. We were going to a place fairly unknown to a lot of people at the time called Dubai. Uh, <laughs> later on, it uh, it actually materialized quite quite a lot. But 30 years back, it, it was more like a shipping hub, more than a tourist destination like it is today. But uh, it was quite unique. Uh, it was quite different. Um, when I'm looking back and, and how it was, um, I, I can say we had um, we had one computer in the office uh, for typing letters and, and, and doing our normal stuff. So uh, the technology was slightly different from what we are we are used to today. Um, it was very very innovative. Uh, Singapore was far far away, and we were primarily looking at uh, Far East Asia, uh, and uh, we were looking at Australia. We were quite known to be the carrier at the time uh, to Australia and our prime business at the time was uh, business uh, going to and from. Um, we were also an airline which uh, was quite innovative at the time. Uh, we still are but uh, and I'm still saying yes <laughs> it's my last day so I can still say so. Um, but um, 
we had uh, 24 seats in first class, uh, and we were one of the first ones really to introduce something which was quite unique. We uh, called it at the time Raffles Class, and that was uh, in line with what a lot of other airlines were looking at at the time. It was business class. Singapore Airlines has always had a great focus on business traffic and business traveler. And uh, the introduction of uh, Raffles Class uh, was really quite unique and quite big here. We uh, we celebrated it quite heavily uh, for a long, long time and uh, tried to establish the brand as, as Raffles Class. Later on, uh, it was because it was difficult for people to understand what is this and what is that. It was then changed into um, to business class, uh, but with, uh, with a small add-on, more than business as usual. So looking back on all that, uh, it was quite exciting to have the first uh, non-stop flight, which was actually not a non-stop flight as such, but it was a non-stop flight out of Copenhagen. We were operating uh, London, Copenhagen, Singapore, and the lake from uh, from London to uh, to Singapore was, uh, of course, with a stop here, and then we had a non-stop out of Copenhagen. So uh, you must say today uh, it's quite different. Uh, now when uh, the flight is, is going uh, away today, it will be 11 hour, uh, 30 minutes. Uh, it is non-stop. Uh, the corporate business uh, needs non-stop flights. So of course uh, it was delightful when we had the, uh, the first Airbus uh, uh, 340 coming into Copenhagen where we are able to do it um, and uh, operating uh, first three flights and four flights unfortunately were then cut because the the airline as such needed uh, needed one extra flight so we were cut one we were back to three then uh, we were moving on uh, with, with everything there and, and uh, the first talks uh, were actually on, on a managerial level with uh, with our friends SAS um, and we were talking about uh, why not operating uh, a, a joint venture uh, at the time it was a co-chair first and then later on a joint venture. SAS was operating at 340 and uh, we were operating flights here. Um, SAS was operating by uh, by Bangkok because the uh, the distance on the 340 was just on the edge uh, going non-stop from, from Singapore. Either you had to have less passenger or less cargo. Mm. So it, it, it was actually one of those things where uh, convenience prevailed. So our two CEOs actually uh, got together and agreed that uh, we should explore the possibilities. And that was really when things, uh, at least for, for Singapore Airlines and the Nordics took uh, to got on speed, yeah. and and we were we were then uh, for almost a year commuting between Stockholm and Copenhagen and Copenhagen and Singapore, having meetings, finding out how how it should all be, how do you implement, how do you do, and uh, the great thing in in the aviation industry and, and in particular being in the Nordics is that everybody knows everybody, so uh, the people who were at that time responsible for SAS in Asia was people who we have worked with previously, so the whole integration and the whole, let's say, the the way to integrate all the airlines with uh, or the two airlines was uh, was pretty smooth. And then we uh, we got back to five air aircrafts, looking uh, to to get into daily. Uh, and the daily became uh, possible when uh, we were getting the uh, the triple seven three hundred, which for the first time again after a long long time introduced a uh, introduced a, a first class out of Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. Everybody was 
thinking that we were not really able to to fill up the first class. But uh, I must say that uh, uh, we we had a very very high load factor in both the business class and the first class, and at that time the premium economy, because that was another thing that uh, was introduced with the with the type of aircraft. So it was quite exciting times. Uh, we must say that uh, things were were really picking up at the time. We knew that uh, we wanted to to go to Stockholm. We also knew that uh, we were lacking of uh, possibilities in regards to number of aircrafts uh, because they were still slightly short of uh, delivering some of the aircrafts. So we uh, were able to to go online and in, in Stockholm as well with a, a brand new Airbus uh, 350 uh, via Moscow. Uh, which so you extended the Moscow route. We extended the Moscow route. It was previously uh, previously uh, the Moscow route was going via Manchester mm-hmm. to to Houston, uh, which was an option we were also looking at, uh, but uh, for various reasons, uh, unfortunately, it didn't come about. But then uh, the Moscow flight uh, was extended to to Stockholm, and we were uh, able to to do five times a week where we were transiting in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who were having a, a bit of a resistance to uh, to going via Moscow, but I, I must say that I was extremely pleasantly surprised when I went uh, via Moscow. Um, it, it is, of course. Uh, different but I must say that the the kindness and, and the uh, the way that uh, that you were treated as a, as a flight passenger the, the rules and regulation in in Moscow uh, is like this that you have to deboard the aircraft but uh, it actually is not a problem or was not a problem uh, but uh, yeah what can you say uh, all of a sudden uh, the uh, the possibility to go daily out of Copenhagen uh, was uh, last year in in the autumn we introduced it and all of a sudden we were hearing about this strange sickness that came out of uh, China nobody really at the time took very serious it must be a, a Chinese thing but uh, little by little we could see that it actually uh, started to impact and uh, beginning of uh, this year um, we we, we saw the uh, the final changes into it. Uh, we've all of a sudden uh, called in to, to watch television and got our news out of the television. We had to take all the passengers uh, back from wherever they were. Um, and it, it was a huge, huge job to to, uh, to coordinate all of that. And, and uh, I think we had some of the more hectic times in, in all of our lives, getting people back. Uh, people not really taking it all of that seriously uh, when, when we called them and said, listen, um, you don't have that many options. Uh, either you go on the flight tomorrow or you will have to wait a long time and we don't know whether the borders are, are going to close. Then, yes, uh, COVID uh, got uh, our job to, to become quite quite different. We, uh, we started to look at what now? No flights. Uh, and all of a sudden, we, we, we got information that we were going to have the two flights coming in. Uh, and we were all looking at, at each other and said, okay, what are they going to do? Uh, but that was medical supplies. Uh, people remembering uh, the first time of the COVID, we were actually caught a bit short-handed of a lot of medical supplies and we were able to to bring in on a daily uh, basis uh, at one time uh, but then uh, several times a week uh, ch- charter flights uh, with medical equipment we were one of the first one really to bring it in uh, uh, and and had to, the first flights and then we were trying to find out what can we take the other way which was uh, food stuff it was uh, spare parts even though the world was closing down there was still a, an urgent need for for ship 
uh, spares or, or machinery spares. So uh, all of a sudden, in, in the month of March, we were starting to have all new flights, uh, all cargo, uh, and then we were starting to prepare for a, a recovery. Uh, the things were, were starting to look pretty positive and then all of a sudden it was just like oh this is going to take a long long time so we were starting to work on the plans for a, a, a recovery and at that time uh, being my age and, and also being a long time with the company I felt that uh, it was also time for, for the young people maybe to, to step up so when we had to make uh, sacrifices by uh, shorting the, the staff strength I volunteered to say that uh, if, if that was needed then I would take a redundancy package and, uh, at that time and uh, basically that's the reason why we're sitting now here at, at the airport and, and sending off the aircraft. So 30 years, Yeah. wow, yeah. Um, and 30 years explained in, in 10 minutes time, it's, yeah. a, it's a long one um, and uh, I think it's uh, it's very positive that uh, you take one from the team uh, and uh, and. Uh, volunteered for, for redundancy packages and, and giving the situation that we see that yeah. we also, as you mentioned, are going to see this happening for, for, for many months to come yeah. and it will have an impact on the airline yeah. industry. But but if you if you rewind a little bit yeah. uh, to, to the beginning, how yeah. did it all start, Anna? Well, basically, uh, I started out in, uh, in forwarding. Uh, I was working uh, in air freight forwarding here at Copenhagen Airport and I always thought it, it could be fun to challenge oneself. So at that time I started to work with the airlines uh, differently. I was doing charters. Uh, I was doing uh, charters into Africa and primarily where I really got the big kick was to arrange for charters uh, of uh, a very famous Danish toy uh, manufacturing uh, situated in Bilund. I was sending Lego building bricks to United States by charters mm. uh, because as normal uh, the demand in US can be very very big so that way uh, I actually started to get the interest in, in, in the aviation um, I was then traveling around uh, as a forwarding agent um, and I wanted to be more uh, more involved in, in the airline business and was looking to see uh, what, what is there and I, I found on a, on a sales mission to Australia I actually looked at an ad for an air, other airline called Saudi Arabian Airlines and I thought that could be quite fun to uh, to apply there Uh, because they were restarting in, in the Nordics by opening an office in Copenhagen. And uh, it took a long time. Uh, basically, they were looking at all the options and uh, apparently I was the last one. So, uh, but uh, I was uh, I was able to get that job. And I was there almost uh, 10 years uh, in, in the times where Saudi Arabia really was very, very fun to work with. Um, there was a lot of things to do. Uh, it was an airline that expanded rapidly and there was a lot of things uh, in the in the cargo so i could take my cargo experience as well and then of course move it into the passenger thing then uh, i wanted to to join another airline i wanted to be one uh, who at the time was uh, online uh, here in copenhagen so i applied for for, uh, for singapore airlines regrettable uh, i didn't get the first time uh, but then i said okay after two years i tried again and then uh, i was lucky enough to get in and uh, then my time with, uh, with singapore Singapore Airlines started on, on a hot summer day, as we say, by moving from uh, Vistafire Max scale to, to New York scale. So the distance was not too far. No, not too far. And actually, Singapore Airlines, when you started 30 years yeah. ago, uh, Singapore Airlines has been running out of 
the Nordics or Copenhagen yeah. for, for several years. So, yes. it, so it's it's an old company, an old route that you're actually yes. taking over. But but what have you been doing? Because if you need to have some some touch points over the 30 years of Singapore Airlines, so so we know there are some specific things that have been interesting you in, in impacting yeah. the business, like like using local uh, procurers yeah. on the flights yeah. and and aircraft types and yeah. so forth. Like it mentioned yeah. earlier, the, yeah. the, the the first class out yeah. of Copenhagen, yeah. which was uh, is which was unique. Uh, yeah. We don't have that uh, we don't have that uh, uh, that anymore. But but you brought that in as, yeah. as one of the first one. So if you have some five things that you would uh, would touch on out yeah. of the many things yeah. that you've been talking about, what would be the highlights? I think the highlight uh, uh, basically was that uh, we were able to get uh, sustainability into it. Um, we we had a, a project called from uh, from farm to plane, and it, it sounds very nice. And, and basically, when you are the head office, it, it is something that the head office is, is 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 working on. But we we actually took it one step further. We we were trying to see whether we can find Danish companies who are producing in Denmark who are very sustainable, and to see whether we could get that on board the aircraft. And we were quite lucky in order to get Skarhoy uh, Ice as one of the first one that we uh, we were able to get on board. Uh, then uh, we, we thought it could be going one step further. So we basically wanted to have a competition between some of the best chefs in Denmark to produce local Danish food for consumption between uh, Copenhagen and Singapore. So we had the first ever chef competition uh, made by by uh, Gay and ourselves, where we invited all the top chefs in Denmark to participate in, in creating a uh, a dish for for us uh, for our business class and for our uh, economy at the time, and that was basically a very big challenge and, and it was exciting to work with because one thing is that you can do food in, in a restaurant. Second thing is that uh, get that restaurant feeling up into the air and get all the same tastes out of the meal. So we had to rework uh, uh, what we call the food manual. So together with our, our marketing company and, and our PR company, we actually created sort of a book on how to make food for, for airlines who Uh, who wanted to take it uh, into the air. And that was a, a very big thing uh, and, and to get it up and running. And then since uh, we, we did that, when we when we also introduced Kokkeridde on, on, on board, it has been one of those things to take local Danish brands and put them on board the aircraft so that whenever the the Nordic passenger was traveling on this, uh, the flight out of Copenhagen, they could feel that the, there's still a touch of Nordic, plus the fact that all the ones returning back to Singapore or otherwise in, in, in our network actually uh, could see that the, the Nordic cuisine is a lot more important than it used to be. It was just considered, well, uh, average. But we have some of the greatest restaurants in, in the Nordics. And the idea was to move on to have some Norwegian and some Swedish chefs to do exactly the same. And be able to uh, to do that and, and getting the permission to do that. In the beginning, we didn't get all the permissions, but uh, eventually we, we, we got the permissions to do it. I think the, this is something that I would like to, to, to continue if I would have stayed on. Also on sustainability, which I think is, is one of the really big things that all the airlines will have to to focus a lot more on. Mm. 
Yeah, because there is a, definitely a lot of waste. Oh yes, there around is, around that thing. and a lot of regulations yeah. on it. I mean, I was not aware that you actually have to burn everything uh, here, but uh, to change the rules and actually to say when it's coming from certain countries, it's actually pretty safe. Yeah. But because uh, airlines are coming in from a lot of places, you have some health regulations. So a lot of it is thrown away and and, and basically not used. Yeah. But it could be recycled. But also like uh, all the plastic you are using on board, how can we avoid this? How can we repackage? How can we we do things? And are people really willing to pay for flying on on a, a more sustainable flight? Uh, so far, um, we found out that people are not willing to pay for it. They they talk a lot about it, but they're not willing to willing to pay for it. So I think this is something that you need to work with hand in hand with the passengers who are flying, but also on the ones who are actually producing the things you're using on board. And I, I know we have a whole department now uh, just looking at this. Um, and it, it was quite fun to to work with them on, on ideas that we had up here. Um, we had actually the first biofuel flight out of Stockholm. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, nobody wanted us to talk about it because where does the biofuel come oh, from? Yeah. Uh, but I think it's important that I could work for a company who actually allowed us to to do some of these things. Mm. Uh, it's not all the airlines where you, as a, a Nordic sales manager, are allowed to to do all of this. No, that, and that's just let's round it up a little bit about that. As you said, you're Nordic, yeah. uh, responsible for sales, yeah. uh, but uh, you have been introducing uh, Sønderhaven cheese on, yeah. on the flights, Kogeri, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, four dishes yeah. on Kogeri, yeah. yeah. uh, the Singapore uh, sling ice yeah. cream from yeah. Skarø, yeah. uh, and various other stuff. Yeah. I remember some chocolate as well yes. coming in. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so that is not traditional for a salesperson. No. Uh, so, so let's round it a little bit up and saying that that other than sales, which is of course is a important metric of the job. What was it actually that, that made you feel that Singapore Airlines was the right place since you were there for 30 years? Well, uh, basically, it, it's a company who takes extremely good care of its staff. Uh, it's a company with, with very strong roots in, in, in the Chinese mentality. So you're part of the family. So I, I, I like that feeling. Uh, it was more or less the same also in when you're working for an Arabic carrier. It, it, it's a little bit of the same thing. But the, the thing is that uh, I was doing marketing and I was doing PR because we were a small station. So basically, uh, you become a, a jack of all trades. And marketing and, and PR goes hand in hand. Hand. And as a small carrier, how can you differentiate yourself from the big ones who are financed by maybe governments and so forth? We are a very commercial airline, so we need to set ourselves apart. Mm. And uh, by doing various things that actually make sense to me at least, and maybe also to our passengers, it was very easy to 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 look at new ways of doing marketing and PR. Um, to to fly from point A to point P, you can do that in a, in a lot of ways. But Singapore Airlines have not been one of the chief airlines and we want to give value for money and we also want to give insights and we want to do something very very special for our flight so this was basically in our dna and it was easy to get the permissions to do so and then it was just like all right now we have this one we would like to do and the ambition was to have more products uh, out of southern part of sweden but i was not really aware of all the restrictions about supplying, getting it over and, and uh, at least getting uh, the approval to actually uplift it. Uh, there are a lot of rules and a lot of restrictions when, whenever you're dealing with catering. Uh, so something we had to let go and have to wait. Uh, and maybe now when, when things open up again, there will be a lot of new projects for my successors to, uh, to, uh, to do. Uh, we tried to do whatever we could uh, uh, to, to, to 
to put a, a mark or put a fingerprint on, on, on Singapore Airlines. Okay, great stuff, Alan. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's all we have time for in, in this uh, this uh, well, thirty years in, in, in thirty years in, in twenty minutes. minutes uh, it's uh, it, it goes fast. Yeah. But uh, I'm pretty sure we haven't heard the last of you in in the airline industry in in in, in Copenhagen or Denmark and the Nordics. I'm pretty sure that your name will pop up uh, uh, time and time over again. Well, I hope so. That uh, uh, one can make a difference. That's definitely. Alan, thank you very much for coming. Thanks, and, Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was all from today's show, where Alan Hovery talked to us on his 30 years working in the aviation industry and working at Singapore Airlines. Remember to subscribe so you will get notified when the next show is live. Thank you for listening to the Travel Plus Loyalty Podcast. I wish you a great day wherever you are.